Today has been a rough day. I feel like Satan's been on my back all afternoon. Any of y'all have one of those days? All right. Make me feel like I ain't alone. My message changed this afternoon. God led me in another direction. That seems to happen more and more. I don't really like that. I like to know what I'm going to do. My iPad, my iPad wouldn't work. Computer died. It's like, well, I'm going to have to just go gunslinging mode and see if I can just get it done. Well, that's why this computer's here. There's just some things I really, really, really want to just make sure I don't forget. Sometimes I'll get caught up in, in preaching what God's laid on my heart, and I'll, I'll miss some very important stuff. So I, tonight I just really want to make sure that I do that. That's why this is here. That doesn't mean I'm going to stand still. All right. Last week we had 207 people here. 207 people. And I think that's just a testament of how good God is. And I'm so thankful that we have a bunch of front row people tonight. Praise God. I'm not alone. But it just showed me last week of how, God, how faithful God is. If you're obedient to God, he's going to do abundantly more than you ever expected. Because I would never have thought we would have 200 people here on a Sunday night. So God's really just showing me and teaching me to trust him more and more every day. As you were here last week, yeah, that's going to be bad. As we were here last week, we started the series called Made for More. Because we believe the church is made for more than what it's become, Right? I know that church is made for more than what it's becoming. You, you are made for more than what you're doing right now. Last week we talked about worship. We talked about if each and every one of us in this room would get our worship right, we would worship God 100% with our lives. We would give him 110% individually. We would be a people of God that was unstoppable. God didn't call us just to be another church in Jenkins County. He called us to change our county. And if we're going to change our county, all of us have to get on board. All of us have to be focused. This week we're going to be talking about community and discipleship. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. I know this is something different. Connect group is something different than... A lot of you in Jenkins County has ever experienced before. I don't know how many people have called me and was like, hey, I've invited the Connect Group, and they would call me and be like, hey, what's Connect Group? I don't know what they were expecting me to invite them to, but. So as I began to explain what Connect Group is, look, Connect Group is where community and discipleship come together. It's where we, we, we grow together. It's where we, we come and we share our burdens with one another. We pray for one another. We, it's, it's not just another Bible study. See, Connect Group is a part of Connection Church. It's not another Bible study that you add to your week. So really, to be a part of a, a Connect Group, you need to be a part of Connection so that we can do life together. It's not about just coming to church on Sunday. I, it, it, just, it gets me to what the church has become because it's become... If I'm a Christian, that just means I go to church on Sunday. And it's way more than that. We should be growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we're not growing, then what are we doing? It's more important that we grow than we just show up to church Sunday after Sunday. Jesus died so that we went on the cross to give us an opportunity to receive salvation. And to follow Jesus means that we walk away from this life, this old life, and follow him. Not just be complacent with sitting, coming and sitting on the church and making ourselves feel better because we went to church Sunday. But it's about growing in him. And that's what Connect Group is about. It's about growing together. It's about being in a community with people that are like-minded. People that are pursuing the same thing you were. I want to ask you a question. What's the closest-knit group of people that you've ever been a part of in your life? I can answer that for me. Before God called us out to plant this church, the closest group of people was my party and drinking crowd. 
Y'all looking at him like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> How dare he? Yeah, it was. You know why? Because we were all pursuing the same thing. Our life was about the weekend and how much beer we could drink. That's what it was about. That's what it was about. Well, the problem with church today is so many come to church with all these different agendas. They're playing games with God, and they don't want to really give God their life. We can't. We've never, I've never experienced community before until God called us out to plant this church. And when, it, when, when that happened, my, it just blew my mind of how you can be close to people, of how people, i got to move this thing, I'll be on a trip down and fall, fall right there. How you can be close to people, how, how just doing life with one another helps you grow. And that's what Connect Group is about. It's not a place to where you gossip and you talk about people in the community. We've got enough churches that do that. It's a place where you come and it's a safe place where you can share your burdens and share where, what God's doing in your life. To where you know that you got people, no matter what's going on in your life, that they love you and they care about you and they're going to pray for you. It's a place where you go and you grow together. So many people get saved and they, get this, they got this whole self-righteous attitude. I have arrived. And quit playing games. You ain't arrived yet because you're acting like that. We grow together. All of us are jacked up and messed up people. I am too. And God wants to use us jacked up, messed up people. He uses broken vessels, but he don't use dirty vessels. In order for us to be used by him, we've got to allow him to clean us up. And that's what Connect Group does. As we join, it shows you what community is like. When I gave my life to Christ and started following him, one of the biggest problems I had was that not that I, I couldn't be around my old friends anymore. Not that I don't love them. I still love them. A lot of them people will still do the same thing for me today. They're, if I need something, they're there to help me. But for me to follow Jesus, the way he's called me to follow him, I couldn't be around those things. So I found myself isolated. I was by myself. I was alone. And Serena and I were like, is this what following Jesus looks like? We're home. We're, we're, we're home on Saturday night with nothing to do. Nobody to hang out with. God didn't call us to be isolated. That's why community is so important. You do things with family and friends. You do life together. When we planted this church, started to plant this church, and we started it, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what I was doing. Still really don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, y'all, I'm just winging it. But as I was going through that, God began to show us, you're not going to do this on your own. You've got to get some people that are like-minded. That's why we started a core group of people. And that was our first connect group. And to see what God did in the lives of those people and my growth through that, like, Jeremy, you're the preacher. You ain't supposed to be growing. Man, I'm going to be growing until Jesus comes back. You hear me? That's where it was at. That's what Connect Group is. If you want to be a part of a Connect Group, you need, to, you, need to join, you need to join this church. You need to go through heart and soul with this church. And say, I'm with you, heart and soul. I'm with you. I'm going to be in the Connect Group. I'm going to serve through, connect, through our Connect Groups. This past week, we had over 70 people in Connect Group in Jenkins County. And that's awesome. But we only had, we only had three groups. Four groups, sorry, take that back. We had four groups. One group had 44 people in it. Who praise God. Anybody happy about that? We had 44 people in it. I'm going to tell you, we're growing in this. And when those 44 people showed up, 44 people is not an optimum size for a connect group. It should be 10 to 15 people. So y'all just be patient with us, okay? Don't write us off yet because you was like, oh, there was too many people there. I ain't going back. Don't do that. We're working on it. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to multiply in a couple more groups so that you'll feel more comfortable. So that you can grow with, in your relationship with Jesus because that's what we're here for. 
We're not here just to be another church. We're here to help everyone grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to be. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to really get started, okay? Father, we thank you so much for this day, God. I thank you for your love. I thank you, God, for just worship. Lord, how you just, uh, how, how you just spoke through Mr. Eddie to make us understand and realize how holy you are. God, how we need to just surrender our lives to you. And God, I know that even myself, how we uh, get so busy in life that we forget that you're in control. And God, I ask for your forgiveness on that. God, I pray that you would move in a mighty way tonight. I pray you would touch hearts, touch lives. But God, that you would just, Lord, allow me to be real. God, I ask you just to uh, consume us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we can't do this without you. And I pray, God, that you would stir in such a way that when we leave this place, we're different than the way we came. God, I love you, and I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, so the thing with, with, uh, with connect groups, the thing with community, the thing with discipleship, most of us grew up in churches where it was really about, about the church and about the service. You go to church, you go to church service, and you go home, and you do it again next week. And I was involved in that too, and, that, and that's what I thought church was about. That's what I thought about following Jesus was about. Yeah, I did do it throughout the week, but I wasn't connected to anybody. And only in the, in the little bit of growth that was in my life was because I was just grasping at straws. I had nobody investing in me hardly until I, until I started preaching. And then I think some preachers were like, hey, that boy needs some direction. <laughs> let, me, let me go talk to him. So as that began to happen, I began to realize how important it is to invest in other people. I, I really thought that I was the weirdest person in, in Jenkins County until I met Dallas. <laughs> because Dallas is just as weird as I am. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm the only person that's telling people about Jesus. And Dallas is like, me too. And as we began to have this relationship, Dallas was in like, I don't know, he's still in high school. He's like 14 or something. He was young. And we, and, and, but to see that in his life, and I began to, to see the importance of investing in other people. And to see where Dallas is now than where he was when we first started meeting. He encouraged me more than I think I encouraged him. That's how important community is. Guys, we need each other. We're not supposed to be an island. I need you and you need me. And together we can be the church God's called us to be. And I don't understand how we've gotten to the place we are. Years and years of complacency and, and years and years of just wanting to be lazy and not do what we're supposed to do, I guess. But how can you read God's Word and think that all there is to the Christian life is going to church on Sunday? How can you do that? As God began to burden our hearts to plant this church, I realized really fast that, that, that I had been missing the point. I had been missing the point. And one of the hugest blessings, look, in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, something happened called Pentecost. And Peter began to preach under the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And people were getting saved everywhere. At the end of Acts chapter, two, uh, let's see, in Acts chapter two, at verse forty-one, it says, "So those who received his word were baptized, and there added that day about three thousand souls. Three thousand people got saved in one day. But notice the next thing that happened. It didn't say that they just began to live life like they always have. It didn't say that they went back and only." They just went to the synagogue on weekends and on Sunday. Did it say that? No. Does it say that? What does it say? In verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and to breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, distributing the proceeds to all who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Does that sound like a group of people you want to be around? Does that sound like a, a movement that you want to be a part of? That's what God intended the church to be. And that's what God has laid on our heart that we need to be. When we stepped out to plant this church, this, this scripture was just dead on mine and Dallas's heart. Before we even realized that we were supposed to be partnered with Connection. That we're supposed to be this type of people that are devoted to God. It says they were devoted themselves to the teachings. They were all about discipleship. They fellowship with one another. It says they had all things in common. They were together on everything. They were very genuine. I can't say that word. Generous. There we go. I got to break it down. They were very generous. See, you ain't got to be smart to preach. See? <laughs> They're very generous. They gave their time, their talents, their money. People seen them. They were in the, they were in the homes together every day. They were doing life together. They were, it was day to day they were going to the temple. They were together every day. And because of the life they lived, because of the people they were, God added, people were getting saved every day, not just on church on Sunday. Every single day, people were getting saved. Man, that's awesome. And that's how it should be. We think people should only get saved on Sunday. But in reality, if we're living the life God's called us to live at work, at home, coaching Little League Baseball, if we're doing that there, people should be seeing the difference in our life and say, what's going on with you, man? What's going on with you at school? I want what you have because you're the most genuine, loving person I've ever met. And that's when you say, let me tell you about Jesus. But you're not going to be, we're not going to be this people until we understand and realize who we are. See, I think that's what we, 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 we've missed the point of realizing who we are. Peter tells us that in 1 Peter. He breaks it down and really explains who we are. 1 Peter 2. It's somewhere in there. Chapter 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. See, I think a lot of us aren't really, aren't really, aren't really excited about doing things for the Lord because we forgot who we are. God says you're chosen. He says we are a chosen race. It's like he said, you know what? We're going to get some, some leftovers in Jenkins County. We're going to make, we're going to scrunch them together and we're going to make a church. No, he chose you. I remember, do you remember the feeling when they used to pick teams when you used to play, play sports when you was in elementary school? You remember the feeling when you got picked first? Yeah, I never felt that. <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I'm, God didn't give me any athletic ability at all. I got long legs, but not the ability to put them in front of one another very fast. I run the 40-yard dash in like six minutes. I mean, I'm slow. But you know, he, it makes us understand it. He chose you. He didn't say, well, them people in milling. No. He said, he said, Brad. He said, Rick. He said, Kyle. He, he called you out. He chose you. Man, that should, that should give us some excitement. The God that gave us breath chose me. He chose you. And if he chose us, then why are we just sitting around? He chose you. He also says, he says, look, he says, you're a royal priesthood. We're sons and daughters to the king. We're sons and daughters to the king. We're mediators to this lost and dying world to tell them what God's done in our life. He also says, look, you're a holy nation. Set apart. Man, there's some people in our church that need to get a hold of this. Set apart. Then say, we ain't supposed to blend in with everybody else. We're supposed to be different. When people see us and we say that we follow Jesus, they should see a difference in our life. If you're following Jesus, you should not blend in with the world. What you say, what you do, your lifestyle, your marital status, whatever, it shouldn't blend in with how everybody else lives in the world. It should be different because he's called you out. And you're a holy nation. He says, a people for his own possession. 
people for his own possession. That means you have value to God. We live in a world right now where, no, where people just don't think they're useless, thinks they're worthless, but God says you are special to him and he, you have value in his eyes. That should excite us. If you are true, a true believer and a true follower of Jesus, why wouldn't you obey him if you knew he chose you? He has value in you. He loves you. And the next thing we've got to get out of this verse is, these next few verses is our purpose. A lot of reasons we're not involved in the community or really stepping out and being discipled because we don't realize what our purpose is. Your purpose is not to come to church and sit your butt on a pew every Sunday. Your purpose is to get involved and be discipled and be the child of God he's called you to be. And he says that. He says in the end of verse 9, he says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The number one question, what is my purpose in this world? People, people, try, people do the craziest things trying to figure out what their purpose, or they're in such bad despair because they feel like they have no purpose. And if you're a child of God, he's telling you right there, this is what your purpose is, that you proclaim the excellencies of him. How do you do that? You tell somebody what Jesus has done in your life. But the reason, the reason so many people are not telling it because God's not done anything in your life. Come on now. That's the truth. It breaks my heart when I look at, at the statistics. Mr. Eddie just told you that 8,000 people in our county don't go to church at any kind, anyway. That's people we go to, that's people we go to grocery store with. We see everywhere. They don't, they don't even go to church. Going to church don't save you. Jesus does, but you got a pretty good chance if you're going to church that you're going to get saved because you're around it. But on top of that, there's 20%. Of those 20%, half of those don't go to church on a regular basis. The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association said that on any given Sunday in the traditional churches, 80% are lost, dying, and going to hell. Why? And I, I never could understand that. And then there's another statistic that says that most Christians won't share their faith. Only 1% of Christians will share their faith one time before they die. Have we forgotten what our purpose is? God says that we should proclaim the excellencies of him. Let me tell you, when God changed my life, I couldn't, I couldn't stop telling people what he did because I couldn't believe he did it. Guys, I went to a men's conference one weekend and didn't want to go. I just, the late weekend before that, I had partied Friday and Saturday night, drank two cases of beer, did all the stuff you don't normally do with all that. Drug my wife with me. So then I go to this, I go to this, to this uh, men's conference. And there God reveals to me that, Jeremy, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. And that changed my life forever. I went, I went there a drunk, near about, near about an alcoholic. I went there a drunk and a partier, and I came back a child of the king. And when I came back, I tried to go back to that old lifestyle. I came back, but let me tell you something. When Jesus really saves you, when you're truly saved, you're filled with something called the Holy Spirit. God fills you. And you can't go back to that. Because I couldn't. I'd go back to the, I did go back to that party scene. And the whole time I was there, it was like I was just so uncomfortable. It's like, Jeremy, what's, man, snap out of it. You're supposed to be here. These are your people. I just like, I just couldn't do it. I just felt nauseous. And, and as I went home, I started reading God's Word, and it started soothing me. And I began to realize, Jeremy, you don't belong there anymore. You've got to start pursuing things of God. There's so many of us in here have got to realize what your purpose is. And the reason you're not telling people about Jesus and what he's done in your life is because he hasn't done anything in your life. And I'm not trying to be hard or rude, but guys, we've got to get a hold of this. If he's done a change in your life, you're going to tell people. If you, won, if you would have won that lottery the other day, you would have told some people. You hear me? You would have told a lot of people. 
But the King of kings and Lord of lords sent his son to die on the cross to save you of your sins, and you're not excited about it one minute? One minute. The gremlins are in my laptop. But guys, we've got to understand what our purpose is. We've really got to understand what God's done. And before we can be the people God's called us to be, we've got to understand that. For us to be the people God's called us to be, for us to be the unstoppable church God's called us to be, in order for you to desire to be in community, is you've got to realize where your heart is. Does God have your heart? Does God have your heart? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at Peter. I want us to look at what he did, what he said. In order for us to be the church he calls to be, guys, I'm just telling you, it starts with three things. It starts with three. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says this. It says, having purified your soul, you have then purified your souls by your obedience in the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. First thing has to happen. Is we have to be born again. We have to be born again, guys. The first thing has to happen, it starts with salvation and sincere love. We can't love people the way God's called us to love people. If he hadn't made a new work in our life, if he hadn't changed me. Ezekiel says it best, he says, look, I will take out that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He will make a new work in your life. And, and that never made sense when people said that before. But like, when I met Jesus, I was never the same again. I was like, man, I'm the same person I've always been. What are you talking about? There for about two years, I said the sinner's prayer. I bet I said it a hundred times in two years. Every Sunday, Lord God, please forgive, please forgive me, please save me. Amen. Get up and I go right back and I be home drinking a beer before dinner time. You know what I'm saying? The prayer don't save you. The water you're baptized in don't save you. It's giving your heart to Jesus Christ is what saves you. And before we're going to be the people God's called us to be, we've got to give him our lives. Ask yourself this. Has there been a transformation and a change in my life? Has there really been a time to where, where the old me got taken away and there's something new inside? We've watered down what salvation is in our churches way too long of making it be about saying the sinner's prayer and being baptized and then you just show up to church every Sunday and ride the pew until Jesus comes back. And if you wasn't told that, People in the church will model that for you. That ain't what it's about. Is that what God's word says? No. We're supposed to be people living for him. And if we're not living for him, chances are we're not his. It starts with salvation. Guys. I could never love people the way God called me to love people until I was saved. Before I was saved, I mean, just to get face it, I'm a Lindsay. Y'all know Lindsay's in Jenkins County. I was hot-headed. I was mad. I'd get mad at a drop of a hat. If you said something I didn't like, I'd rather punch you in the face and smile at you. See, I got one Lindsay. You should have gave me an amen on that. <laughs> but that was who I was. I went to church on Sunday, but there was no difference in my life. But let me tell you something. When I met Jesus, when he really came into my heart, when I really surrendered... And, there was a, and the Holy Spirit filled me. When people would talk trash, I just, I, I just didn't pay any attention. It didn't bother me anymore. I used to, I, it used to bother me when I had friends that didn't like me. My people that just, just started didn't, this didn't like me. It would be, keep me up at night. Because that's what my identity was in, is how, many, what, how what people thought of me. But when I realized I was the child of the king, and it didn't matter what anybody thought, as long as, I was, as long as he was pleased with me, then that was fine. You're not going to love your people and your family 
the way God's called you to love them unless you're born again. We're not going to forgive people. You're not going to let go of bitterness. You're not going to let go of hatred until you've been born again. Those things just don't happen in our carnal flesh. They just don't happen. The second thing is that we've got to grow up. To be the people of God that He's called us to be, to be the people tied up in community, we've got to grow up. There's so many of us that, that have just, all about our whole life of, of being a Christian has been about coming and going to church, and it's not been about reading God's Word and growing in Him. We had not grown. Well, I've been a Christian for 50 years. He ain't read the Bible but 10 times. He's still an infant. He's still an infant in Christ. God's called us to read His Word. It says in Peter chapter, chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy. Whew, they need to get a hold of that, don't they? All hypocrisy and evil and all slander. Like newborn infants longing for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Look, you understand, the people Peter's talking to, they weren't perfect people. They were just as messed up as we are. But the thing is, is they were striving to follow God. It says, rid yourself. We're all messed up. And God's okay with you being messed up, but he's not okay with you staying that way. You can't call yourself something. There could be a 69 Camaro sitting there in the, in the bushes. And you can say, well, that's a classic car. That's, that's, that's the gorgeous vehicle. And it's just a piece of junk in the woods. Until you take it out. Until you take it out of the woods. Until you put that fresh paint, that paint on it. Until you redo the engine, the heart of that thing. It's got to grow into something. To be what it was made to be. And there's a lot of you that are just settling with second-rate Christianity. It's just, it's, you're okay, it's okay that you just show up and go to church. And God's called you to so much more. God's called you to a relationship with Him. He didn't call you to a religion. He called you to a relationship. If it was about just getting saved and sitting on a the pew, then why didn't He just, the minute you got, the minute you got saved, the minute you got baptized, He didn't just take you on to heaven. He left you on this earth for a purpose. And your purpose was what? To exclaim the excellencies of him. To tell people what Jesus has done in your life. To point other people to Jesus. And you're not going to do that on your own unless you're connected to community. We've got to grow. We've got to proclaim what he's done. It's one of those things that the more you know about Jesus, the more you delight in him. You know, if I go home tonight and there's crackers on the table, that's all I got in the house. That might be all I got when I get home. But if there's just crackers on the table, I'm going to demolish them crackers. If I go home tomorrow and that's all I got, that's what I'm going to eat. But if I go home Tuesday and there's crackers on the table and there's a steak beside it, I ain't eating them crackers. You know why? Because I know there's something better. I know there's something better. It's time for us to stop settling for crackers when there's steak. You know what I'm saying? We've got to stop settling for just religion and start pursuing God, pursuing Jesus. You want to know why your relationship hadn't grown? It's because you're not focusing on growing your relationship with Him. I was the same stagnant person ever. I never gave you my life. I never gave you my heart. There was no heart change. But the minute my heart changed, you know what happened? I was hungry for this Word right here. I wanted to read God's Word every day. Because this is what gives me life. It's not because God called me to be a preacher. We make it like the preacher is the only one supposed to read his Bible. If that's the case, we're in bad shape. We've got to read God's Word ourselves. We've got to be the children of God He's called us to be. We've got to grow up. See, that's the thing. If we don't grow in our faith, that's one thing God really showed me about discipleship. That's one thing that we've been missing in our community. We're not being discipled. And when there's not been any discipleship, there's no direction. There's no direction. When people aren't being discipled, 
There's no direction. I had something else. There's no commitment. And there's no advancement. We got a bunch of people. It's how we've been for the last 50 years. We've been like the Israelites. When they got caught out of Egypt, they were stubborn, wanted to do their own thing. Didn't want to do what God wanted to do. What did they do? They walked around in circles. They just kept walking around in circles. And God was telling them, just follow me. They kept walking in circles. And so many of you have been walking in circles for years, and all he's saying is, look, come follow me. Do what I've called you to do. We've got to grow. Discipleship and community is what you've been missing. And he's calling us to a deeper relationship with him. The third thing is that I want you to realize is, look, we've got to be a part of the house. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we're the outward expression of Jesus. When he sees, when people see me in the world, when people see me in town, I want them to see, there's Jeremy Lindsay, a follower of Jesus Christ. Not Jeremy Lindsay, a hypocrite. Not Jeremy Lindsay that goes to church on Sunday but lives like hell the rest of the week. I don't want to be that person. And if you're a child of the king and you realize who you are and you know what purpose he's given you, then you shouldn't want to live like that either. He's called us to be so much more. He's called us to step out. And I know sometimes it's hard to step out of what you're used to. It's hard to step out. But God's calling you to step out. You were here for a purpose tonight, and God's calling you to step out and be the house he's called you to be. Be the spiritual stone, the living stone. And it says to that in verse 4, it says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, we're a representation of God. We're a representation to the world of Jesus Christ. And when they see us, if they see me doing my part, and you doing your part, we're putting blocks down. For the spiritual house. The house is built on a foundation. And they're stacked on one another. And as we begin to stack up on on top of one another, people begin to see not just me as a Christian, but me and Mr. Eddie. And a lot of you, people see us really living it out. It's like, hey, there's something different with those people. There's something different with those people. And it may start out small, but eventually when people ride through Midland, they should say there's something different with Jenkins County. And the reason is because Jesus is here. Amen? The Spirit of God is here. When we start doing our part and really being the people God's called us to be, people start seeing that. Some of the living stones that, that, that God has blessed me to be able to see, one is Ryan. Ryan got saved last year. And he told me, he said, Jeremy, he said, I, I, I said this sinner's prayer, and I was baptized three or four years ago, but, but and really, really it, it didn't mean anything. He said, I was just doing it. He said, I, I really want to pursue Christ. So as he started pursuing Christ, I have seen him grow so much. And as he's wanting to just please God, he's wanting to be obedient to God, he, he said, Jeremy, I want to be, I want to be one. He, he was the first person to say, he said, Jeremy, I want to be a connector. I want to be one of the first people that when people get out of their car to come to Connection Millen, that they see me and my smiling face. And they know that, that, that God, that we love them, that we're not going to judge them, and we care about them. And that, they are, that we want them to come and change their life, just like God's done in my life. And he became, he's a living stone, building the house of God in our county. You got Melissa, she's one of those living stones. Melissa was, was going to church. She was going to, but one thing she realized she was missing was community and, and accountability. So she started coming to the Connect group. And as she began to come, she said, this is what I've been missing. I've needed accountability. I've needed these things. So by joining the Connect group and being a part of discipleship and being a part of those things, she began to be that living stone. And as her life begins to be transformed, people see the difference in her life. And it's pointing to Jesus. 
And Brian. Oh, Brian. Brian's one of those living stones that just blesses my heart. It's because Brian got saved. And Brian moved back to Millen. And it was just the hand of God. But in two weeks, there was five of us from the core group that he's seen. And we just told him we loved him, we cared about him. And he began to really just start pursuing God. And I've never seen a man so on fire for Jesus Christ. Just wanting to pursue him. Because he realized what God's done in his life and what God's... And he began to just tell people what Jesus done in his life. He didn't start quoting scripture. He didn't, he didn't do that. No, he just said, look, God changed me. I can't explain it, but he's changed me. And I'm no longer the same person. And he started going to his friends and his family and people that he knew that was in that same place where he once was. And reaching out to them. And just telling them what Jesus... He started inviting them to church. And I pray through that, that his friends and his family will get saved and will start following him. But Brian, stepping out on faith, telling people what Jesus has done in his life, is being a living stone. And he's building the kingdom. And that's what he's called us to be, guys. Not, this, not these bunch of religious people that go to church. But true, genuine followers of Jesus Christ. And you will never become that person unless you grow in him. You will never become that person unless you surrender and start following him. And as I close, I just want to be real with you guys. Connect group changed my life. I'm not talking about any church, okay? I love everybody in this community. But my faith was dead. I was a pastor. I'm preaching revivals. People are getting saved. And I realized what I was missing was accountability and community. I thought I was the weirdest one because I, I, I felt like I was one of five in my church that were really sharing their faith. And we're not supposed to be that way. All of us are supposed to be sharing our faith. Because if we're all saved, praise God, we're supposed to be telling the excellencies of Him. Amen? And as we got those people God laid on our hearts to, to, to be the core group, None of those people were special, just people God sent our way. And they all were in different walks of life. Some had been walking with God longer than I've been alive. Like Mr. Eddie and Miss Kiki. Some of them had only been walking with the Lord a year. And some of them wasn't even sure they were saved. But God brought them to us for a reason. And as we began to meet in my living room every single week, we began to share what God was doing in our life. God, Kim got cancer. And we cried because we're like family. Kim and Rick went to high school with me. And there was no real connection until we, had, until we became a part of a connect group together. And when she got cancer, it was like I had cancer. And we cried and we prayed and we laid hands on Kim and prayed for God to heal her. And praise God, he healed Kim. And I was able to see God do that. You hear me? But that never would have happened if I would have just been okay with going to church on Sunday. You know what's so encouraging is I know that with any time in my life, any part of my day, if I was struggling, I could send a group text, and I had 15 or 20 people that would stop what they were doing and praying for me. You know why? Because they love me what it's about we grew together there were people in the group that didn't even know how to read their bible they've been going to church their whole life didn't even really know how to read it as we began to sit down together and explain what the scripture said they began to get it they began to understand early on nobody was sharing their faith and as i was telling stories of what god was doing through my just daily walk People begin to start sharing their faith. Next thing you know, Rick started saying, man, God's been, let me tell you, I told this person about Jesus. I told this person about Jesus. Then it was Chad. Then it was Haley. Then Ryan. And the list goes on. But they started growing. They would have never been the place they are right now with Christ if they hadn't have stepped out and been a part of a community that was holding them to get, holding them accountable. 
and us doing life together. Connect group is where real life change happens. And I'm not telling you that because that's the part of our church. I'm telling you that if you don't want to be a part of this church, fine. You get you a group of people and you do it. You have community. My heart is not to grow a mega church in Jenkins County. My heart is to reach my county. And if every church in Jenkins County would get a hold of this and start doing this, we would change our county. But we've got to stop thinking we've got all the answers and we're just these self-righteous people and be humble and follow God. If we're going to reach everybody. So let me ask you tonight. It's going to, I'm fitting to wind things down. But for us to be the people he's called us to be, for us to reach our county, it starts, it starts first and foremost with salvation. And if you come here long, you're going, to, you're going to hear me say this a lot. Because we have been caught up. Our church, church culture, where we are right now, it's all about religion. It's about going to church, not about a relationship. And I, and we didn't, I, I don't believe it, it, they meant for that to happen. It's just years and years of being complacent and sitting on the pew, and it gave that appeal. I'm calling you out tonight. I'm calling you out to quit playing games with God. We don't know when we're going to take our last breath. But what's most important is when, we, if we, when I do take my last breath, that I'm following Jesus, that I'm pursuing Him, that He is my everything. And if He is not your everything, then He don't have your heart. So for us to be the people He's called us to be, we all got to be saved. We can't be a bunch of hypocrites playing games. So that's you tonight saying, Jeremy, I'm tired of being religious. I'm tired of playing games with God. If you're saying, you know what, I've really not experienced that life-changing experience like you just said. I, I, I don't believe I've had that new heart. I had not really totally surrendered. If that's you, I want you to just surrender your life to Christ tonight. And we're going to celebrate it like crazy. I want you to boldly and unashamedly just raise your hand and say, Jeremy, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to surrender to Him because I've never done it before. I had a lot of text messages last week. A lot of calls last week. I said, Jeremy, it felt like you were speaking straight to me. It wasn't me, guys. It was God. And it's a sad thing for God to be talking to you and you not do business with him. I'm not going to beg you to get saved. But I ain't going to give you one more opportunity. If he's knocking at your heart, swallow your pride. I just told you how jacked up I was. And surrender your life to him. So if that's you, just, just raise your hand. Say, that's me, Jeremy. I want to follow Jesus. Well, praise God, we got a room full of saved people. So if you're truly saved, then what's your next step? What's your next step? Is your next step join a connect group? Is your next step saying, I need to be heart and soul? Is your next step giving generously? Is your next step telling people what God's done in your life? What's your next step? You know, the purpose of having church services is not that we come and meet and hear preacher preach. It's where we come, we experience the hand and the power of God. And we do business with God. That we leave this place different than how we came in. And I know in our, com in our community, in our society, we've kind of been a little stiff. We don't want people to know we struggle with things. We don't want people to know that we have issues. But that's what this altar is for tonight, guys. We, made this, we put this stage so you would have something. Yes, you can do business in your seat. You can pray for God to change you. You can pray for God to help you where you are. But in reality, what's going to happen is when I say to, when I pray and dismiss you guys, you're going to leave this place and you're not going to do anything about it. Coming to this altar is swallowing your pride and saying, I want to do business with you right now, God. Most important thing 
but that we are true worshipers and true followers of Jesus. Nothing else matters. So I'm going to pray. And when I start praying, if you feel like God's calling you out, you come and you pray. If not, when I get through, you're dismissed. But Gresham's going to play that piano as long as somebody's up here praying. If you need somebody to come pray with you, that's it. If you if you're here tonight and you say, Jeremy, I didn't raise my hand, but I really do need Jesus, come find me. Come find Dallas. The most important thing is that you do business with God today. Thank you guys for coming. I love all of you. And it's exciting to see what God's going to do in and through you guys. Father, we come to you tonight. God, just praying for you to move, Lord. God, we thank you, Father, for just uh, what you've been doing. And we thank you, God, for how you've been changing lives. We thank you, Father, for just um, how much you love us. I thank you, Lord, for valuing me, valuing us. I thank you, God, for just calling us out. I thank you, God, for living for you. Gives me purpose. Gives me drive to live this life. Lord, I don't know what I would do without you. God, I pray this week that you would allow us to give hope to the hopeless. That you would allow us to uh, bring comfort to the hurting, Lord. God, I ask you that you would just burden our hearts to tell people what you've done in our life. And if, if by the end of this week, if we haven't told somebody what you've done in our life, then I pray that you would call us to uh, examine our own life, God. Because you've done way too much for us to keep quiet. Father, I pray that you would just continue to move, continue to bring people. God, I pray that you would call people out of religion and into the relationship, Lord. And Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And we just praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.